Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And, and his beautiful daughter, Stacy. Right alongside, <laughs> Stacy is going to, is joining me these days as we make our way through the scriptures. And I've got to tell you about this, folks. Right up from the beginning, this is uh, the Bible Live. Mm-hmm. And you can, what we're doing is we're reading through the entire Bible every year together. And then here on the weekends, we get a chance to discuss the passages that we read this past week. So this is our chance to kind of talk about it and, and discuss it and answer questions about it. Now, I want you to know that you can go to our website, thebiblelive.com, either through your phone, your device, or your handheld device, or on your computer at work or at home, wherever, go to thebiblelive.com. And there, uh, if you click on the our podcast, you can go there and you can hear the entire Bible. Uh, they are every every program is uh, thirty minutes, twenty six minutes long. It includes a fifteen to twenty minute reading of the scriptures, and that's what we do: is we read through the entire Bible every year. Is the Bible, and that is at the heart of our program: is your chance to actually hear a good, clear, modern version uh, translation of the New Old and New Testaments of the Bible. You get to hear the Bible itself, every word, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, all the way through every year, from Genesis to the maps, as we <laughs> the book of Revelation in the end. Uh, so we read through those uh, five readings a week, Monday through Friday, that was formatted for our radio program, but we've moved it to the Internet. So... Please go to thebiblelive.com, and you'll find the readings. You'll find the schedule, the calendar of our readings. You'll find commentary. You'll find um, all kinds of information about uh, the Bible. It's all around helping you understand the Bible, whether you've been a believer for many, many years or a brand new. Particularly, I'm a little bit partial to uh, Gen Zers, those brand new believers from this generation, people who are trying to understand what is this Bible? I mean, this big book, 66 different books and all this, what is it all about? And, uh, you know, there's a certain level you can pick up the Bible uh, devotionally, and there'll be verses that encourage you and stories that are exciting, you know, David and Goliath and um, Noah and the ark and Jonah and the whale, and there'll be these stories of people of Daniel and all. Uh, and there'll be some verses that are very beautiful, uh, worship and, and tell us things about God. But there's a, there's some of it as well that if you get to reading, you're going to be confused. You're going to, what in the world is this? What's it all about? And that's what we're trying to give you an understanding of this book from the beginning to end. It is in, in, it is incredibly one book. Uh, there is a continuity. There's an agreement. There's a 
consistency of message uh, throughout the biblical narrative. There is one message, one narrative that is followed from beginning to end. Um, and we're trying to help you understand what that is, how it fits together, how you know the knee bone connects to the thigh bone, the thigh bone connects to the hip bone, the hip bone, you know, that sort of thing. You know, remember from um, the Valley of Dry Bones, right? In the book of Ezekiel. We just covered it uh, just what, two weeks ago, Stace? I think so. So um, that's what we're all about, the Bible Live. So please go check out the website, thebiblelive.com. Follow the readings. Uh, listen to them in your cell phone or your your smartphone or your your computer, whatever. Uh, and then join us here on the weekend. We discuss then these books. We, and tonight we have a real, real challenge because this past week we read uh, in our our worship and um, devotional reading. We read the books of Psalms and the Proverbs. Uh, and Psalm 128 and Proverbs 28 and 29. So we read the two wisdom and worship segments within the Psalms and the Proverbs. And then we finished up the book of Daniel, chapters 10 through 12. We'll address that uh, briefly here in a moment. And then we went to the New Testament and picked up there. We're getting to the, the small books at the end of the New Testament, the books of James, First and Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John, and the little book of Jude with 24 verses in it, or 20, 26 verses, I believe, uh, in it. So we'll, we have a lot of books to cover. They're smaller, shorter works. And then after this week, uh, this coming week, we'll be going back to uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, and we'll pick up there at the end of Daniel. We'll pick up with Hosea, uh, Hosea Amos, Obadiah, and just Assyria, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. We'll pick up in the small prophetic works called the minor prophets, not because they're not as important, but they're not longer, long ministries, and the record of their, their messages and sermons uh, is shorter in general than the ones that we have covered, the, the, the major prophets, ending with the book of Daniel. So that's what we do here, and that's what we want. We really want you to join us going through the Bible. Uh, every year, you you know, you've said to yourself a hundred times, oh, I really want to read the Bible, the whole Bible all the way through. And it's just hard to do. Well, don't worry about it. I'll read it for you. I'll read it to you. Just relax. Click on it. Relax in your car as you're commuting. Uh, don't go to sleep, you know, of course. But uh, listen to the scriptures. Let me, in the evening, you can bring it up and listen at your leisure. 15 to 20 minute reading every every day, every weekday. And then we'll give you the weekend off. The weekends you can go and hear your pastor and study your work and join us here on Sunday nights as well. Uh, but the, the readings themselves, five a week, Monday through Friday, and we hope that you'll do that. Join with us, and we have a lot of fun going through the Scriptures together. And if you'd like to comment, ask a question or give a comment, tell something, some impression, some experience you had with the, with the passages in, that we're looking at specifically or maybe even another passage entirely that you have a comment or an experience with or a question about you can give us a call at 210-340-9585 210-340-9585 that's our phone number for the next oh what iron 15 minutes and we'd love to hear from you and i think do we have a call already no, I, th I thought we were going to get a very important phone I think, call. I think we might. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking forward to a very, very, very interesting phone call. Yes. Uh, very, there, is a, there is a very curious, 
very uh, important to uh, to his mother and his <laughs> grandfather. There's a very uh, uh, important little six-year-old boy who wants to talk about the Bible a little bit tonight. So yeah. we we think we might and hear Daniel from Daniel is one of those iconic um, yeah, characters. And what six-year-old hasn't heard you know, attending Sunday school, yeah, the story of Daniel, Daniel and the, the Lion's Den. Den. So we'll see if we hear from him. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. So give us a call anytime you'd like during the next uh, hour and 15 minutes, and we'd love to visit with you about anything that's on your heart. These are incredible days we're living, right, John? Oh, yes. I mean, unbelievably tense and and pressure filled and we're all waiting with on on you know with with nervous heartbeats and so on of what's going to happen in when america this nation and this election coming up over and over again we hear it's the most important election in uh, any of our lifetimes and all this sort of thing so we're um, we're keeping our eye on that and praying about that at the same time we're looking for great principles from from the scriptures from god's word that will instruct us, is particularly those of us of God's people, those of us who love the Lord, are trusting in Him, walking with God, uh, giving us guidance, instruction, hope, encouragement uh, to know that uh, what we should do and how we should live and in how we should be trusting in God for what He's doing these days. We do have our phone call on the line now. This is William. <laughs> William is calling in from somewhere in South Texas. Hello, William. How are you tonight? <laughs> Hi, Will. Hello, Will. This is Grandpa. Hi. How are you doing, kiddo? Um, sort of sleeping. Huh? We're just sleeping. Oh, you're just ready to go to bed, aren't you? You're normally in bed. Uh-huh. Well, I know y'all have question. Oh, you, you well, have a question yeah, for us. This is a no, I know the question. Oh, oh we, we're going to ask you a question, yes. okay? So the question, and this is a book. Remember, yeah, we used to read the story of Daniel and the lions did all the time. Mm-hmm. Will loved why it. did Daniel get thrown into yes, the lion's den? And so that's our question. Well, why did Daniel get thrown into the lion's den? What was he doing that he was told not to do, um, but that he... he he needed and wanted to do anyway to um, please the Lord. What did he do? I'm praying. That's right. That's but who, right. To, to whom was he praying? Um, to God. Right. <laughs> All right. The true and, and also God. because um, he did it wrong is because the um, guys who didn't like him came to the king and he wouldn't know and he agreed and then they were spying on Daniel and then he prayed and then he got thrown into the lion's den because the king noticed and the king was Daniel's friend. They were trying to get him in trouble, wasn't, That's weren't they? Right, really. uh-huh. That's right. Do you remember that king's name by any chance, William? Mm, no. Hmm. I think his name was Darius. Yes. Mm-hmm. If I, King That's King right. Darius and King Darius ended up. It was his when he liked Daniel, and when uh, when he went back, he said, "Daniel, are you still there?" And Daniel said, "I am." And he and the king was so happy. But those <laughs> lions did not eat him up, did they? The Lord closed their mouths. Uh, wow. And the an angel came. An angel came and closed their mouths. Exactly right, Will. Yeah, so proud good. of you, young man. That's good. You keep learning about God's word and about these heroes. And, uh, and we, we learn how to n- love the Lord and follow the Lord. We're so proud of you and your daddy. 
You guys have a good night, okay? Have a good night's rest. Um, okay, good night. Okay, good night honey, good night. Love you. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Tr- Bye Troy. <laughs> oh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. He's, he's just the delight of my yeah. life. There he is. So that was my uh, so, son. Just make. <laughs> I do love all callers who call in. I'm pretty sure, but yeah, just in yes. case anybody's wondering, oh, that yeah. was my son. <laughs> Maybe there's another six-year-old out there. Uh, you can call Grandpa Soapy anytime you want. We'd love <laughs> to talk to you about the Bible. That's our favorite thing. Good job with Will. children and young people. Good job. Well, let's now let's let's look quickly, Stacy, at our Psalms and Proverbs readings, our wisdom and worship segment this week. The reason I would mention them, we don't always go into great depth about our readings from the Psalms and the Proverbs. They are meant uh, intended for devotional. They get us in a, a mode of worship and, and celebrating God and, and, and yielded toward Him. But these passages tonight, as do a lot of times, really, actually, uh, they uh, these passages have something to do with either a broad understanding of the scriptures that help us understand principles that guide us in the scriptures, or they also relate to the the New Testament. In other words, the principles that they bring out and highlight in the Psalms or the Proverbs quite often are major principles that are highlighted in other books of the Bible. And that's the case for tonight. Um, For one thing, I wanted to reiterate in Psalm 128... Remember last week, folks, I told you that when you're reading the Bible, uh, there, there, there are certain phrases, certain words that you need, to, you need to give thought to what they mean. In other words, some phrases mean more than just one thing. Um, mm-hmm. Quite often they have an earthly, um, uh, earthly historic, you know, in time and space, uh, just an earthly meaning. Uh, and that can be important. I'm not saying it's not important, but they will they will have an earthly meaning, and then they have a a, a spiritual meaning as well. As, in other words, a a deep deeper uh, meaning in terms of understanding our God and understanding truths that apply to all of humanity in all time. And I gave you an example that, for example, of the word baptism. Now, Stacy warned me about using that word, but I don't want, and I don't want to make you confused. But the word baptism, when I say that word to you, what do you think of? Well, a lot of times the only thing we think about is water because we're all accustomed, all of our different churches, we have this ritual of baptizing people in water either we sprinkle them or we dunk them or we whatever pour on them and so we have these different modes of baptism but baptism does does have that meaning there is an actual ritual it is not unique to christianity in fact there was a ritual cleaning a ritual washing in judaism as well remember the um the the, the the laver that was out in front of the tabernacle and then later on the what was called the sea that was out in front of the of the temple Solomon's temple there was this large body of water that 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 the um the the priests used it to wash their hands as they were laboring throughout the day they were they were sacrificing animals there was blood there was sweat there were tears <laughs> and they uh they would use it as a way to cool off and to clean themselves the 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 uh, laver and there was a that was a form of ritual cleansing and washing, and also there were uh, there was a ritual of cleansing and washing, 
when a person dedicated himself to the priesthood. Or to, uh, he took a, 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 an oath of service to God. There would be a ritual cleaning as, as well that we know about. So uh, baptism had an actual meaning. There, it had to do with water. And, of course, the, the early, uh, in the early church, in, in, they understood the idea of the ritualistic cleansing about uh, uh, you know you're dipped down in the water you're immersed in, in symbolizing a death to our we've died to ourselves and we've risen to rise in newness of life through Christ and so that was the idea of baptism it was a a ritual based in the New Testament in particular in the Hebrew in the Greek language it was based on uh, it came from the textile industry when people would uh, create fabrics of, of different kinds uh, for robes and clothing and, and so on, and they would dip the cloth into a dye, a vat of colored dye, so it would be uh, yellow or it would be blue or you know whatever the different colors. And so that dipping down into, it was immersed into the dye, and then there was a bonding. There was a, a co-identification of the color of the dye with the fabric, and they were bonded. They became one. Well, that's the that's the essence of the idea of baptism. The spiritual idea of baptism is that we are bonded to through Christ. We have become bonded to and made one with God. And we're baptized into the body of Christ. We're baptized into the people of God. There's a there's a threefold spiritual baptism that takes place the moment we place our trust in jesus christ as savior we become born again as we it's another phrase we talk about in the scriptures we are baptized into the body of christ we are baptized with the holy spirit there's a bond a spiritual union a co-identification that we have now the symbol of that is water baptism the the earthly symbol um they're not the same thing um one is the symbol, one is the reality. Now, it doesn't mean that the re- the symbol is not meaningful and not deep and cannot be, uh, in, in, you know, incredibly important, even have uh, spiritual significance. But it is symbolic of the spirit. You can have water baptism, but not be born again. You know, you're not. In other words, we're not saved by water baptism. We're saved by the spiritual baptism. But if they, if the water baptism, baptism is in reality, symbolic of an understanding uh, of that spiritual reality, then then it's a beautiful, powerful symbol that that we can celebrate indeed. So I, I, that's something that I, I wanted to bring out because the word, the reason I say that is because the word Israel is the same way. Uh, at the end of Psalm 128, which we read this week, there is a blessing requested. It says uh, a quietness and peace for Israel. Now, remember, the Psalm 128 is one of what we call the pilgrim songs or the songs of ascent. The pilgrims on the two days of national celebration in in Israel, the day of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and the Passover. These were national festivals when hundreds and thousands of, of uh, Jewish people from every tribe, from every uh, district, and even people, Jews from all over the world, made their way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and, the, and, of course, the other day, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And so the, they would sing these songs. Uh, psalm 120 through 134 were songs of ascent. And that particular Psalm 128 ends requesting a blessing for Israel. Now, in all likelihood, when you read the word Israel there, uh, it is appropriate and accurate to think of the nation state 
the geopolitical uh, uh, nation of, of Israel that these these pilgrims uh, would be celebrating and, and thinking of their nation, of their land, their people, as they made their way to Jerusalem uh, to to worship God there. And, and that would probably meant Israel, but not every time. Quite often in the Bible, when it talks about Israel, it's not talking about the nation state, the geopolitical world of Israel, nation of Israel. It's talking about Israel in the biggest sense, the people of God. Uh, of which the nation state of Israel was a symbol, was a picture of, uh, uh, a symbol of Israel, meaning the people of God through all time, uh, in, in in all time from from the time of Ab- of Adam and Eve and, and Cain and Abel and Seth and, and on Noah and so on, the people who belong to God, the understanding is all is that is spiritual Israel. Would and we, you, that is brought out very clearly in the New Testament by by Paul, Jesus and Paul himself as well. Would you say that there were people of Israel at the time in the times of Jeremiah? You know, Israel. Would there be people who are Israel but not people of God? And then would there have been people oh, yeah. who were not Israelite but who were people of God? Yes, exactly, and exactly. and not only would I say, but that that's the that's exactly the, the point that Jesus brings right. out, yeah. and that Paul brings out. They bring out this truth, and and that the even Jeremiah mm-hmm. brought right. out, and Isaiah the prophets would mention that it's not the people who are circumcised in the flesh, right. that uh, or or uh, you know uh, of the uh, the. The genetic or DNA descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. but those who are spiritually mm-hmm. of of the spiritual DNA, mm-hmm. the the uh, genetics of faith, Does and they, so that, yeah. that's that's an important principle. That mm-hmm. because if you read the Bible, you're going to read about Israel a lot. Yeah. and so you always have to ask yourself, which one is this talking about? In the context, you can usually tell, and sometimes it's both. Mm-hmm. It's talking about. You know, physical, geopolitical Israel, mm-hmm. and the bigger uh, the the bigger truth that it represents, mm-hmm. the people of God. And of course, the Psalms and the Proverbs are big on that because David, in particular, clearly understood the difference between right. the two, and that they're not synonymous. Necessarily. No, they're not necessarily synonymous, right. and yet you could read a verse that actually either means one or the other, or sometimes. Both. You'll see both mm-hmm. in the same kind. So that's a, that's a, and the reason I bring it up at the end of Psalm one twenty eight, there's a prayer requested for a blessing requested for Israel, and and it, it's likely and understandable that that has an application primarily in the context to the nation of Israel, the actual physical nation. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be bad, it wouldn't be wrong necessarily for us to actually make the understand it as a prayer of for quietness and peace. For God's people, mm-hmm. even in this era and time in which we live, mm-hmm. so that's that's an important principle. I think it's worth bringing out. The same thing happened in Proverbs twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Uh, Stacy, we talked about this earlier. That in Psalm twenty, Proverbs twenty-eight, it says that <clears throat> in order for <clears throat> us to experience God's mercy, that we must confess our sin and forsake it, uh, and that that goes right along with another passage that we read this week in the book of 1 John, way back in the New Testament, the first epistle, the first letter of the Apostle John, 
chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we see a link there between those two, that important principle, and they both use that word, the idea of confessing, which in, in Greek the word means to say the same thing that God says about our sin and to f- turn from it, mm-hmm. to forsake it. So if we confess and forsake our sin, then we can know and experience our forgiveness. Now, it does, in First John, he's talking to believers that in, in that epistle. And so we've already been forgiven of our sin, but confession is offered and mentioned there as the way by which we as Christians can experience our forgiveness because there are a lot of Christian believers walking around under a shadow, under a cloud of guilt and shame and embarrassment and failure and, and, and hopeless, you know, that, oh, I did it again, I messed up. And, and the point is uh, we don't have to, in order, we, we are already forgiven, we're already cleansed in Christ of our sin, uh, but confession is the means by which we can bring that forgiveness into our experience. So uh, that's the idea. of It's not a new forgiveness every time. We are already forgiven, but confession is the means by which we experience it. Boy, this time goes by so fast, I wish it would just slow down a little bit. But there we are. We're going to finish up our consideration of uh, these Proverbs, Psalm Proverbs issues. We'll go in to finish up the books of Daniel in our next segment and get into the book of James. So we'll go as quickly as we can tonight, but we will always take time for your phone calls, 210-340-9585. Give us a call if you'd like to be a part of The Bible Life. He took his gun along. He shot himself some very fine quail and one old measly high. And then on his way returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Well, that bear marched out in the middle of the road, and he waltzed to the preacher, you see. Well, the preacher, he got so excited, he climbed a persimmon tree. Well, the bear, he sat down upon the ground, and the preacher climbed out on a limb. He cast his eyes to the God in the skies, and these words he says to him. Oh, Lord, didn't you deliver Daniel from the lion's den? Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale and then the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, so the good book do declare. Well, oh Lord, if you can't have me, for goodness sakes, don't you have that bear. What did tonight's Bible Live reading mean to you? You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. You're going to see one awful fight. Well, just as he said it, the limb let go and the preacher, he come floating down. Oh, it was a sight to see him just before he hit the ground. Then what happened? He struck old earth the cutting right and left. He did put up a pretty good fight. Uh He too much, that bear grabbed him, squeezed him a little too Died. Well, oh, the preacher, yeah. he lost his hunting knife, but the bear held on with a veil. So one more time, he cast his eyes to the God in the skies, and these oh, words goodness. he says to him, Oh, Lord, didn't you deliver Daniel from the lion's tail? I'll so <laughs> deliver Jonah from the belly of the whale. <laughs> All right. The three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, oh, the good book do declare. Well, oh, Lord, if you can't help me, for goodness sakes, don't, don't help, you help them. That bear. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Don. John, you have outdone yourself tonight. That was uh, really, really good. All right, we're back. This is the Bible Live. We are into that wonderful old book of uh, of Daniel. That's what We're trying to finish it up, and, and I, 
Uh, the, the time is just flying by too fast. I wanted to mention that in Proverbs 28 and 29, it, uh, a warning there for gamblers and lottery players. <laughs> okay, uh, it says that a rich reward comes to the trustworthy person while only trouble awaits the person who wants to get rich quick. So, you know, yeah, got to be careful that uh, in your it doesn't become an obsession and an addiction um, in any of these matters, all right? And, it, and then there's another passage that's important. It says if we, uh, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1, is a very important principle. If we stubbornly refuse to accept the Lord's correction in our lives, we can expect, it says, uh, to be suddenly destroyed beyond recovery. And that without, you know, there's no relenting. There's no, uh, and that is a, that is a co-passage or a fellow passage of the truth in First John chapter 5, verses 16 and 7, that talks about the sin unto death. We'll, and we'll see that a little later when we get to First John. But the sin unto death is not the same as the unpardonable sin that is spoken of in the New Testament that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is rejecting God's salvation. That's unpardonable sin because uh, the basis for God's forgiveness and of our sin is the redemptive work of the Messiah, the Savior who paid the penalty of our sin through his death and resurrection. But if we reject that substitute, that provision for our sin, then it, our sin is impardonable. There's no way we can be forgiven because we've rejected the only means of forgiveness, and that and that is called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the agent uh, who brings us, shows us our sin, and draws us to the Savior. And if we uh, if we resist th- that redemptive work of the Holy Spirit, who draws us to the Savior, who is the agent of the new birth, then we indeed are unforgivable. That sin is unforgivable. But but this sin is different. It's called the sin unto death. And it means for the Christian, a Christian young man or woman or man or woman who uh, in a lifestyle of of constant sin and disobedience to God, conscious rejection of God's law, rejection of of obedience to God's law, then that person, uh, we're told that if we see that person and we warn them and they continue to forsake and to resist God's correction, then they will, as it says here, be suddenly cut off. In Proverbs twenty nine one, or in First John five, it calls it he, God may indeed just take their physical life. They won't be lost. They don't lose their salvation in this, but their li- their life could be taken uh, either as a consequence of their drunkenness or their drug addiction or something or something like that. Maybe a function of their habit mm-hmm. of their sin, or it may be just that God chooses to remove their candlestick, remove their, their light uh, and their witness mm-hmm. uh, to, the, to him. And I, I think it re- on that one, you know, it's just an emphasis on it's not though God's um, punishment either. I mean, I mean, it is the consequences. It is the natural outworking. Yeah. But it's, an, it's a sweet thing in a, in a way that he, I mean, it could be, it could be his mercies as well. In, in it some, very well could. Mm-hmm. For not only the person, but mm-hmm. for other people Around, affected. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly right. And uh, uh, so what we were going to say. Oh, and I also did want to just real quick uh-huh. say that, that that is 
that is never a Christian's responsibility to enact any kind of a justice. No, no, now it no. is a we Christian's. Are not the res- we are not it. that mm. it is that is God's work, absolutely. But um, but it would be uh, up to a brother or sister in Christ to to if they do see something that is harmful to warn them. To, to warn for sure, lovingly and kindly, and with the hope that you know they will receive mm. and prayerfully. But um, but yeah. that would be where the responsibility would end. <laughs> yeah, well, that would fall under that advisement, that the direction we have in the New Testament from Jesus himself, that first you talk to the person individually, then you take maybe one or two witnesses, and together you talk mm-hmm. to him, and later maybe even take him before the congregation. And with your effort, mm-hmm. is always redemptive. It's never condemning or judgmental but always with the hope of helping to bring that person mm-hmm. back we see because, back into right. fellowship and we see that carried out uh paul does that actually with mm-hmm. a believer in corinth mm-hmm. he tells him to remove fellowship right. Right. with the hope that he would be right. restored and as it turns out in the second letter second corinthians we find out that it did bear fruit that mm-hmm. the person did repent mm-hmm. and turn from his sin right. and, and it turned and it, out positive and it can feel like a uh I mean, it can, it can feel hard. I mean, it can feel, mm. uh, and, and you know, you hate to ever tell somebody not to do this or to, to not live a certain or to be, but just the reminder, the re- remembering that, that it's, in, it's, it's for their best. And that sin is always, it will kill, steal, and destroy. So it's mm. never as if it, it uh, just a reiteration, yeah, not con- Hebrews condemning. Talks, it is Hebrews loving. talks about this as being, from the perspective of God, to be uh, really being a blessing to us that we should thank God that he cares enough for us to discipline us and yes. to train us and to correct us yeah. because whom the Lord loves, he trained in Hebrews yeah. chapter 12. Like We're told that child, beautiful right? principle mm-hmm. that God always disciplines whom he loves mm-hmm. his children. And now God loves the whole world, but we're talking about in this yeah. special relational sense. Yeah. So that's a beautiful truth that comes out. We see it reiterated here in Proverbs 29 and reiterated and, and repeated in another different way in First John chapter 5. Now let's go to the book of Daniel. And uh, last week we got down to chapter 10. We talked about chapter 9 in that beautiful passage about uh, the 69 weeks and how people have uh, reinterpreted that, uh, have worked out the calculation, the mathematics of the 69 weeks of weeks. Uh, 69 times 7 and blah, 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 and this week and that week and years. Uh, and they have calculated that that uh, that pr- prophecy that David that Daniel gives us, and it talks about it is calculating from the time when the decree is issued for the, for Jerusalem to be rebuilt, and we know when that was. It was when Nehemiah, in the year that Nehemiah got um, Artaxerxes signed the decree that allowed him to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. From that day, there was this period of sixty nine weeks uh, or sixty nine years of of seven years each you know uh, 483 years and then you do the the 70th week and you work it out they do the mathematics you can look this up yourself folks there's several ways of calculating it but um they always end up at the life of jesus at some critical moment in the life of jesus the messiah which is what daniel says these are this gives you a measure for when the messiah will be presented uh, and and one of them dates right down to the time when Jesus was baptized and initiated his ministry, his earthly ministry. And the other uh, calculation comes out to the to the very day, the week of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the last week of 
of Messiah's and, and the culminating work of the Messiah in his death on the cross and his resurrection that week. So th- there's a powerful, powerful prophecy there in the book of Daniel. But let's go back. That was chapter 9. Go back to chapter 7. I think, Stacy. do you mind? Uh, there is a second sure. vision that Daniel has. He has a vision, early chapters, of this statue that Will reminded us of. Uh, this statue... Um, no, that's not. That's that's the other. That's the statue that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire. Right. But this is a second vision that Daniel has. He saw four beasts: uh, a lion, a bear, a leopard, and then some other beast that was unlike the others in that it was not a, a flesh and blood beast, but it was uh, like iron teeth. It was almost mechanical. You, uh, and so maybe you could. I, I think it's worthwhile to mention that vision of four beasts uh, because it too like the other vision that Daniel had was fulfilled incredibly uh, in the 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 next five empires that came after Babylon uh, mm-hmm. amazingly so you want to talk about that sure that the, the vision of the four beasts right. okay well chapter seven okay well with uh and and just kind of which kingdoms they were meant to represent. So the uh, um, the lion would have been Babylon. Was that correct? And then the yeah. But actually, there's there, I've only heard a couple of, a couple of main interpretations of it, and uh, one of them was that the lion represented Babylon. Okay. The bear represented the Medo Persians. Okay. Uh, the leopard was the one in question. Some people. See, some people say the bear was just the Medes, and then the the bear, the the Medo Persian, the the Persians were uh, the leopard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard that the bear represented the Medo Persian Empire, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, what that was uh, Darius, and then following him Cyrus the Great, and so on, mm-hmm. and that the leopard represented um, uh, uh, Alexander the Great and the Greeks. Because they were so rapid moving, that was a characteristic of of uh, Alexander's a secret to his conquest and the characteristic of his empire, uh, and it was short lived as well. And that that the iron teeth creature was uh, a representative of Rome that uh, that came after the Greek Empire. Mm-hmm. So that's the way. Uh, some people say that the third, the leopard, represented. Uh, um, only the the Persians, and that the fourth creature represented the the, the uh, Greeks. Mm-hmm. But I, I personally go with the leopard being the the Greek uh, empire. The bear was the Medo Persian empire. The the leopard was the Greek, and Rome was the iron teeth uh, creature. What would you? I mean, in terms of the, the the significance of these and Daniel and the visions and. Um, what can you speak just a, I guess a little bit towards well the significance would be as we know the Bible talks about it in other passages this is how you know that this is my word mm-hmm. this is how you'll know that that this particular prophet or someone is telling the truth that their word is true mm-hmm. is that they will prophesy future events mm-hmm. they will predict future events 
and they will come true. Right. So Daniel was at this point, he would have been in the time of Babylon. Yes. And so he was saying these things, these will, ha this will happen. He did not live through them. So then he died in, when would he have? Well, he lived through uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He lived through, uh, remember last week, we Belteshazzar, the mm -hmm. one that Right. was killed by Darius, came in the next day. Right. Mini, Darius. mini, Teklo Parsin. You remember the, fi mm -hmm. the finger writing on the wall? So he lived through that. <laughs> he was also prominent in the Mede during the time of Darius. Mm -hmm. uh, he lived through four empires. Um, so he, he did live, but this, <coughs> this was presented during the time of, the, um, of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. During, so he was telling him, these are the future empires. And he, of course, he went on not only the lion, mm -hmm. but through the bear, the Medo-Persians. Mm -hmm. And then he went and talked about the Greeks. Right. The, and he talked about Rome even yeah. much in the future, yeah. way in the future. So, um, yeah, Daniel is one of those really amazing, amazing books. And he is an amazing person. Right. Remarkable individual, the humility, his prayer of confession and, and asking God's forgiveness. And what chapter is that? Chapter nine is there, or is it? Where is his prayer, asking for God's uh, forgiveness? Um, uh, uh, he in, he includes himself. Daniel is never. No sin is ever a chapter nine. No sin is ever attributed to Daniel. It doesn't mean he was without sin because uh, he, I mean, no man is without sin. But he, he is clearly a very dedicated, courageous follower after God. You know, risk, as William pointed out, he prayed to God in spite of a, of a, of a governmental uh, threat mm -hmm. on his life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he did, you know, that, that's where we get the idea of freedom of conscience, conscience in our, in our own society. Uh, he he worshipped God anyway. But he was willing to take the consequences of his uh, of his uh, rejection, uh, uh, disobedience, mm -hmm. uh, and and God came through for him, preserved him. So, right, and I think one of the fascinating things is um, Daniel's kind of uh, living and interacting and being at a high political level. Level talk about geopolitical. Um, through all of these uh, different under different rulers and whatnot, and yet so interactive. I mean, when you talk about you know baptism having two meanings, I mean Babylon's riddled with, uh, or Daniel's riddled with two meanings. Contradictions, a, yeah. Uh, well, really. and a, a physical happening and a physical mm -hmm. occurrence at the same time. I mean, very clearly, this is probably one of the most. Um, clear pictures of, of what's happening in the spiritual world in terms of spiritual, even spiritual battle. I'm glad you I mean, said that. Michael and... Yeah, the, I'm glad you said that. Now, what was the key, if you read the book of Daniel, and do it with this we have to turn away from the book of Daniel and go into the book of James, which, which is a companion piece in a way, and we'll see, you'll see what I mean in a moment. Um, but, but about Daniel, you have to see that the key to his understanding... The way he was able to look to the future, I believe personally, and understand he had a he, he was a student of God's word and God's character and what God was doing. Daniel had a grasp on the redemptive narrative, the redemptive plan of God. The overall purpose for the entire Bible is that God is calling out a people for himself. 
out of the human race over thousands and thousands of years, God is calling out a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. So so essential to understanding the, the history of the world uh, from the point of view of God is to understand the redemptive plan of God, mm-hmm. that he is calling out a people for himself. And it helped Daniel when he thought of these, and I'm not saying it was the, totally a natural way that he he understood these visions and these understandings, but this was the you can see that his understanding was based on the redemptive plan of god uh remember what he says in chapter 12 verse 3 it says if you really want to be a star or at least shine like a star forever daniel says you should dedicate yourself to leading many to righteousness righteousness a reference to the 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 ultimate purpose of god is to draw men and women out of a, a state of lost being lost and and separated from God because of our sin, drawing them into forgiveness and cleansing to become a part of the eternal family of God. Uh, You should lead many to righteousness. Mm -hmm. And he had that, I think, that mindset throughout. I mean, you see him in his fearlessness as Mm -hmm. he approached the lion's den or the fiery furnace or even when he, uh, in uh, early in chapter Ten uh, nineteen, which you mm-hmm. you got a little bit teary at that um, part because Daniel is, I mean, he's been praying, and then he is met with all these visions, and he's almost overcome. You feel a, a physical just weariness, and he's afraid, yes. and he's, and um, and and then the angel comes to him. Oh, that's a precious part. Don't yeah. be afraid. You are deeply loved by God. I love that yeah. passage. Yeah. That's so. And it's kind of that mm-hmm. reminder that this is not, these empires will come, they will go. These, this happening, this occurrence, but there is a spiritual realm. There is a spiritual yeah. happening, and the God of that yeah. realm loves you so dearly and deeply. And you know, yeah. you just get this sense that Daniel Powerful. knew that all along, and he was constantly alive in this world, but very much living yeah. for for what he knew was the real kingdom. and That's right. Uh, or the eternal kingdom, I should that say. That was the key to his understanding, I think, mm-hmm. this idea of these coming empires and these things that were going to happen because he was seeing and interpreting these things. And I think Sophie's going to go out on a limb. And I think that to some degree we can do in some ways at some level the same thing, the same thing today. We, if we want to evaluate what's happening with China, with Iran, with Korea, with the United States and other nations of the world, mm-hmm. one of our primary considerations as God's people has to be the harvest has to be how does our existence as a nation or other nations, how do we fit into the redemptive plan of God for all of humanity? That process going on, the most Mm -hmm. important process going on at every point in every moment, every birthday party, every football game, every soccer game, every event in the world, Mm -hmm. every conference and this, the most important thing is God is calling out a people for himself. So how does our nation fit into that redemptive plan? Are we part of God's plan? Are we, we harmonizing and, and collaborating with God in that redemptive plan as America has in the past historically been a, a nation uh, who we've sent missionaries, we've sent millions of dollars in people and personnel to help mm-hmm. take the gospel around the world. Mm-hmm. And we've experienced God's blessing. Mm-hmm. Now in these last 50 or 60 years, we've, we're taking steps that are turning away from that mm-hmm. legacy and heritage of, of our, 
commitments to the scriptures, to prayer, to godliness, to, and, and morality in the nation. And so we could see maybe, you know, maybe we, you know, maybe we're in for some correction, some judgment, some discipline, and, and we may bring that into consideration even to our modern situation. I'm not going to go any further than that because we don't have time. It's not my place mm-hmm. to do it. But the, the principle at work in Daniel is really powerful and beautiful uh, for us. And I love what you said about Daniel. You are greatly loved. <laughs> Don't be afraid because he was overwhelmed in his vision, his understanding of God's plan. And it was just, it was, it was overwhelming to him. And he and fell on his weak. face, weak. Mm-hmm. And, and the angel lifted him and says, you know, you are deeply mm-hmm. loved by God. By God. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Love that. Well, yeah. let's go to the book of James. Stace, let's jump away yes. from the... That wonderful book of Daniel. I think James is just so interesting, just by nature of who he was, and not alone. I mean, the, Jesus's brother. You know, you don't think of you don't think of Jesus's siblings very much, or at least I. And uh, I just I love that James. Um, I mean, what a firsthand experience of being able to write about. Uh, his brother. <laughs> yeah, and two, yeah. We talk about two. And meanings. remember, his brethren did not. There was a time in his, they did not believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. They, in fact, as one said, they, they said he was out of his mind. Now we don't <laughs> know if he's if they were actually saying that he's crazy, he's out of, or that they were making a defense for him before the Roman soldiers and the uh, oh. Jewish. They were yeah. saying, "No, don't do it. He's, right. he's insane. He's not." <laughs> so we don't know if it was them actually saying that. Yeah. Uh, but we do know at one time they did not believe in him. Uh, Jude, James and Jude, two of the books we look at tonight, were written yep. by half-brothers of Jesus. Uh, they, were, they were sons of Mary, but they were, of course, not. <laughs> Jesus was too, but he was, his dad was not Joseph. Uh, as we know, he was uh, immaculately conceived. And, and, a, and conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are four men mentioned in the New Testament writings who share the name James, and they would have, that might have been prominent enough to have written this letter, the book of James. The first was the Apostle James, but he was martyred too early to have been the author. He was martyred in Acts chapter 12. Okay. The other apostle was named James, the son of Alphaeus, in Mark 3.18, and in chapter 15 he's mentioned, and then there was James, the father of the apostle Judas, not Iscariot, uh, in, in the book of Acts he's mentioned. These four were probably not widely, or this last one at least, was probably not widely known enough to adequately be identified as James, a slave of God. So this leaves James, the Lord's brother, from Galatians chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, this James was one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. I remember the uh, church council of Acts chapter 15, and many have noted the similarity between his letter, this letter, the book of James, and the message that was given by James in in Acts chapter 15. And many have noticed that that similarity as a confirmation that the letter was written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. So somewhere around uh, in the late 30s, which is not very far away from the very life of, of Jesus. I remember Jesus was crucified in 33, 34 area. So this was very written quite early uh, after the death and life and death resurrection of Jesus the Messiah. Well, there's our music again. We tried to go fast. 
We will only have time to come back and we'll get into the book of James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the little book of Jude. We'll do the best we can, folks. And I hope that you'll feel free to give us a call, 210-340-9585, if indeed you'd like to comment on the passage, anything we said, or any of these books, or maybe even anything to do with the scriptures and, and what it is to know the God of the Bible. Don't go away now. The Bible Live will be back in just a moment. Our number is 210-340-9585. I'm sorry I didn't hit the right buttons there. Welcome back. This is our final segment of The Bible Live. Your phone calls are welcome, 210-340-9585. We've commented on our readings from the Psalms and Proverbs this past week. We've commented on the book of Daniel, which we finished up this past week. And we've moved into the book of James. Now we're moving from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, the Tanakh, into the New Testament. And we're down to those little small books at the end of the New Testament, James, First and Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, and Jude. And the only book after that is the 22-chapter book of the Revelation, the uh, Apocalypse in Espanol. And so we have, uh, we're coming to the end of our Bible reading year, and then we'll start right over again back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Now this year, just for your knowledge, between, after we finish up the book of Revelation, we're going to spend a, a one week, uh, I'm going to give you a special series of, of lessons about how to understand and interpret the Scripture, some ideas about uh, the Bible. How do we know that the Bible is historically accurate and, and reliable for us today? The, the words that re- you read on your Bible, uh, in your Bible, I'm going to give some of the, uh, the, the um, support that we have, the evidence for the Bible being uh, reliable, dependable, accurate in a historic sense. And in the way that, we, that this is indeed accurate, it's what the, the writers wrote. It has been preserved and passed to us, uh, transmitted to us accurately over the centuries. There is a way that we can we can test that. We can apply the rules that the historians apply to every work, all documents of antiquity. They apply certain rules as they study them to see the degree of reliability. I'll share those with you so that you can know how to know that the Bible is historically accurate and reliable. Then we'll talk about how do we know then that the Bible, beyond accuracy and reliability, how do, how do we know that the Bible is supernaturally sourced, that it is indeed the Word of God? And then there are evidences, there are ways that we can point to that. And I mentioned one tonight, that these predictions, that's one thing that God points to himself in the Scriptures. He says that one way you can know that this is from me is that these prophets, they will predict the future, and it will turn out to be accurate with 100% accuracy. And that's one of the ways. There are other things that we look at as well, and I'll share those with you. During that week, uh, between uh, around the, the first week, of, the first whole week of November, I think it is. So the week after the elections, November the 3rd, we'll be doing that, that special week from November 2nd, 3rd. That week we'll be doing this special series of broadcasts about the reliability and the uniqueness of the Bible. So we'll do that, and then the following week we'll start up with the book of Genesis chapter 1. The reason I'm doing that is so that we can get our readings lined up accurately again with our our national calendar, with our societal calendar, so that the readings line up with the national holidays, Christmas, 
Easter, National Day of Prayer, these these holidays that we have in our culture, the scriptures can line up with them, and, and every we'll be reading a, a, an accurate and, and uh, appropriate scripture at the time of our national holidays. And so we, we're, we're, we're working to, to make it easy for you. So join with us. We'll make our way through the Bible this year and every year. You can start this week if you haven't already started with us. If you start listening every day to the Bible with us, uh, we'll make our way right back to the same passage this coming year, and you will have made your way through the entire Bible, even if you started when we were in the book of Daniel. <laughs> for that, So start any week you want, and we'll come back around the bases and, and make it all the way to home. Uh, next year at the same time. Now let's go to the book of James, uh, Stacy. Yeah. It is a book, like you said, a while ago you were referencing the, the, the idea of these um, twin truths that are often mentioned in the scriptures uh, of one is earthly and, and, and it has a reality here on planet Earth in our earthly experience in life, and the other is spiritual and has an application for our eternal our spiritual life mm-hmm. and our spiritual uh, existence and james in a way is one of those he takes the themes of faith and practice mm-hmm. the the world of, of spiritual realm of of uh, morality and intentions and motives mm-hmm. and then he takes in our practice and he right. applies this to the poor mm-hmm. uh he he uh, uh, for one uh, he talk he applies this to leadership in the church uh, there's several areas that he uh, applies that, that dual faith and practice. Yeah. You know, there's living faith, and then there's faith that's dead, mm-hmm. faith that does, faith in works, you might mm-hmm. call it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and James is the one, uh, Paul seems to emphasize the faith mm-hmm. in, in, to some degree, and some people criticize it and say, well, you know, you just say you have faith, and that's it, and you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and James brings about the balance and says, no, if you have faith, it is going to produce works. Mm-hmm. It is going to produce a change in your life, in your mm-hmm. earthly life. Uh, but but you can have works, but without faith, and then your faith is dead. Faith without works is dead faith. It's mm-hmm. a false faith. Mm-hmm. So it, th- that James is a, kind of an example of that. Yeah. Well, and I I kind of want to go back to. I, I love. I liked my comment during the break, so, so I'm going to say it again. <laughs> you said something good. <laughs> said something let's good. get it on the well, air. I just. I do think it's really interesting. Going back to just, it's so human. Um, James is being Jesus's brother. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. what that would have been the family dynamic and growing up and kind of the human aspect as Jesus. Well, the same. And you had said some. You had said. What did you say? You said that he will certainly. Uh, had no father, but that he was Mary's, and I kind of paused and noted that in my Mary mind. Mary was his mother. Mary but was his mother. Joseph wasn't his father, uh, right? Uh, but I would, I would actually push back a little bit and say, well, Mary was just as not his mother as much as Joseph was not his mother, yeah. in the in the sense that I, I, it, you know, it would not have required Mary's DNA to have uh, to conceive Jesus. I mean, it was. To me, most likely and quite possible that that uh, God would have the Holy Spirit would have taken a a human a a, a, ch- a very tiny uh, and implanted Mary a fertilized so egg truly, into her womb, yeah. right? A fertilized egg into it, and I guess just from a 
um, may, I, I mean, it was just a even, new act of creation. Uh, right, right. Instead of God saying, "Here from the dust of the ground, there's a human," He said, "Here in my hand is a human, and I'm going to put this human in, 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 in Mary." And uh, and I just think that that's a one. It's a jarring thing for a woman, <laughs> for Mary. First of all, I'm just gonna pause on that. And then, um, and then James, and and then Jesus, and that, and that that tiny little fertilized egg is the king of the universe. <laughs> sure, and well, and and Whoa. again, though, back to I mean, just an unexpected, absolutely, and and unexpected to Mary, uh, a surprise. She was not married, um, and the dynamic of of then giving birth to this um, child. child. And he would have been the firstborn of the twice-born. <laughs> yes, he is the he, new Adam. Yes, He's the second Adam. Yes. yes. So in that it, It's family, a new act of creation. Yes. And every time that we become spiritually born again, which is also a theme of uh, First Peter. Mm-hmm. Your mother wanted me to mention in particular tonight. <laughs> this is a family affair, I guess, folks. <laughs> uh, that in the book of First Peter is the only time Peter is the only one who speaks of being born again. Uh, the only other time in the New Testament, other than uh, the Apostle John in, yeah. in the Gospel of Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, right. uses that phrase born again. So Peter also talks about being born again, a living hope uh, through the resurrection of Christ. Uh, we have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. Right. So the, the, the life of Jesus was... It was a, we don't, I don't know that we can understand accurately. It's the same kind of question we have about Adam. People have asked, did Adam have a navel? You know, (laughs) and they ask, well, what was Adam's genetic chain like? Uh, And so the same thing would be about Jesus. We do know that he was fully and entirely a human being. He voluntarily left off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives, initiatives, authority, and and abilities as God, and he became a vulnerable, weak human being. And then that Mary would have had to give birth in those situations. He was a crying little baby, a bedwetting little baby. He was a toddler. He was this. Uh That she, she received it, that she accepted it, that she said, not my will, but your will be done. And she embraced what God's plan was for her and this yeah. child. She had him. And then, so Jesus would have been And first, she reared first, him. She and reared they him. raised him. And, and they had other children. Yes. And that Jesus would have been the firstborn of this twice-born, but that he was born into a family. A real family, yeah. He had a, a mother and a father, and, and that he had younger brothers. A remarkable a, thought about the about. The family and the role that God yes. f- has for the family. For the family and for the firstborn. And then, it, and I guess that just puts context into, so James would have grown up with this and he would have known that his mother wasn't necessarily married when she became pregnant. She would have, and it's a very kind of practical approach to, though, to, you kind of see how he would have you can see how he would have um, written what he, how he wrote, and that it is God's, you know, that we are a bond. Or not, no, I guess that was, I don't know if that makes sense. But we well, do have a caller. <laughs> we do have a caller. But I was wanting to say that it does say something about Jesus that his brothers, James and Jude, 
ended up being slaves of Jesus Christ. That yeah. they, I mean, what if your brother came home day one day? You have uh, two brothers. What if he came home one day and said, "Hey, you know what? I'm the Son of God. Mm-hmm. I'm the Messiah. I'm. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, really, you guys know each other. You were raised with each other. Mm-hmm. You lied for each other. You covered up for well, each other. Also, His brothers would have had an insight into this this other human being that yeah. no other, and yet. Even they came to recognize, and and their brother was always surrounded in a, in a way by scandal. I mean, he his life mm-hmm. was not one that was just an. And easy I, like I said, there was a time when even they didn't believe in him in that sense, but they loved him and covered for him and tried to protect him. I think we see in the scripture. One time they even went so far as to say, "You know, don't worry, don't don't arrest him. He's crazy. He's out of his mind." And they, I, I think personally, it wasn't them seriously saying he's crazy. I think they were trying to protect their brother from being mm-hmm. uh, taken into custody by the by the Romans. But, but I think they they did admire him, and, and ultimately they came to un- understand and believe that you know he was so un- he was the mm-hmm. Messiah. He was the unique uh, son of man, son of God. Let's go and catch up with Harold. Oh, he's hey, calling Harold. back in. Uh, Harold, Hi. we're so glad to talk to you. Thank you for your patience. Okay. We were Hi, Stacy. Deep topic okay. there. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Stacy and Sophie Dollar. Yeah, Hi, Sophie. I was going to say just a few minutes ago you were mentioning. Uh, well, first of all, how's everybody doing? I guess pretty good. We're all good. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm doing good. My sister just called me tonight, Barbara, because uh, I told my mother something that she said about her twin sister on Facebook, and <laughs> wasn't serious. And she goes, "What'd you tell Mama for?" I want to be in trouble when I get home. Barbara there was 63 and Mama was 85. Brothers and sisters that we were just talking about. Oh my <laughs> God, I know. The I know. Family, that happened yeah. tonight. Yeah. That happened tonight. Yeah. So my, uh, you were talking, uh, and I told Barbara, I'm glad it happened because I got to talk to you for an hour. I'm stuck home for a couple <laughs> of weeks now. But um, that's the way the Lord works, isn't it? It so, is. It is. Anyway, anyway uh, you were saying you're going to start your readings over in Genesis pretty soon and this yes. and that and the other. And so I was wondering if you had anything spectacular planned. Just coincidentally, you know, in the synagogues around the world, uh, they're finished up also Deuteronomy. Uh, Their beginning would be Genesis and then, of course, the end of Deuteronomy for their yearly reading. And around the world, when they get to the last, uh, it would be 34, I'm, I'm hoping it's verse 12, Probably in the Hebrew Bible might be a different verse, uh-huh. but what they do is they read the last, the rat, the last verse, and the first verse in the New Testament. So that way, nothing comes to an uh, not the New Testament, the uh, Genesis, I mean, uh-huh. and uh, that way, that way, things don't come to an end. Like this is the end. So I'm going to try it. So it's Deuteronomy 34:12 uh-huh. with. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now let's see what. Now we're going to see what we're going to find out next time. Now we see what's in between, right? (laughs) Now we're going to start all over again and see what we missed out on. Exactly. But that's what they do. And it happened to be this weekend. You know, I mean, I wasn't there. I just happened Uh to see that, and I said, you know, if I get a chance to call. Soapy Dollar and Stacy, I'm gonna. If it comes up, I'm gonna mention that. And you happen to say you're starting over, and you know yeah. I want you to start over real good. Our Jewish <laughs> friend Jacob has always commented about this strange, and he says it sort of eerie, uh, g- 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 mm, 
the eerie way that we formatted our program, how it fits together in, in an eerie sort of a way with those uh, worldwide readings that the Jewish people have through the through the Torah. He's always commented on that, how well it fits together with that. And I, I, I didn't do that intentionally. I think if there is a uh, if there is a kind of a coincidence a coincidental maybe a higher power you know, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's the fact but uh, uh you are yeah. right there is there is a little bit of a uh of a well, the way we track together pretty well with that and i've always been encouraged by that fact hey harold thank you let, well, let me rush that's on all i wanted to say okay that's all i wanted to say tonight. i appreciate you your calling i'm so thank grateful you. i want to make sure we get some comment um we talked about james james is a highly practical book he uh, talks about the the reality of faith, the spiritual element, but he also says that there is a practical outworking to that. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, and and and, uh, and it really doesn't get more. What practical. are some principles? Well, Go ahead, Stacy. Yeah, it doesn't get more practical than Thy will be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not mine, but um, which I th- I think that they probably would have grown up even uh, with that same kind of faith and that same surrender and humility that Mary did show when she first found out, you know, she would mm-hmm. be uh, Jesus's mother. But well, um, well, let me list just a yeah. series of uh, factoids, sure. truths that we get out of James. Okay. Uh, one is that uh, in light of God's sovereignty and that he is the Lord of history and he's carrying out his purposes, he says that troubles should not disrupt or destroy our faith but they should produce endurance, and they should be seen as occasions for joy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. Chapter 1, verse 2, uh, the, the, the people he writes now, he's writing to the people of God who are scattered across the Roman Empire. I'm writing to uh, particularly uh, Jewish people, believers in Jesus Christ, who uh, have been scattered by the persecution, Roman persecution, all across the uh, Roman Empire. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. (coughs) And he says, (coughs) I'm so sorry. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, Mm -hmm. for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Mm -hmm. And, And so that's the first of these dichotomies of how we suffering and difficulties and tribulations are part of our growing experience because we know ultimately we've read the end of the book we know that god is going to cause all things to work together for his good and for his desired ends so that's one of those immediately you see this the the flavor of james is he's con con contrasting just the simple human earthly and the spiritual dynamic. Mm-hmm. He doesn't deny the one for the other, but he explains. He says that the, the spiritual gives purpose and significance and direction and hope mm-hmm. uh, in light of the earthly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's another factoid. He says uh, that you are not, God is not obligated to reveal his will to you unless you are willing to do it. In other words, we can't say to God, God, show me your will, and then I decide if I'm going to do it. Now, if any of you are interested in knowing 
What is God's will for my life? And and when I do a questionnaire with young men and women out at Lackland Air Force Base and thousands and thousands of trainees, of if Jesus Christ was right here, what would you ask him? Overwhelmingly, the answer is, oh, what is your will for my life? Mm-hmm. And the point is, is that God will reveal his will to you but but not if we're saying, okay, God, show me your will, and then I'll decide if I'm going to do it or not. Uh, he's not obligated to reveal his will to you at that. But according to James uh, chapter 1, verse 6, if we we believe and we're willing and we're, God, show me your will, I'm, I'm surrendered to you, and I, I will obey, uh, then God will reveal his will to you. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, one of those truths. Uh, the practicality of faith, he says that it, uh, if you look in God's word and you you don't make a correction that his correct that you're as foolish as someone who looks into a mirror and they see a piece of dirt or, or oil or grease on their face and they don't remove it uh, when they've seen it. So you can see, James, how practical he was. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add, Stacy? I'm trying to kind of point out in general, you get a flavor for the book of James. Oh, uh, well, I just always love that, uh, how he does, when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin to death. Uh, I like the kind of the natural progression and the pragmatic, the consequences, the natural yeah. consequences of that. I thought that was, um, that's always been a Yeah, theory. there is that, there is that harmony between the eternal spiritual purposes of God in our lives and it doesn't negate mm-hmm. life on this earth. That's right. It he works in this earth. Right. You know, many have said God doesn't deliver us, for example, from uh, persecution or pain or difficulty, but he d- he walks through them right. with us, right. which is a, a unique way of seeing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Oh, what else? Let me see. The tongue is a great theme of the book of James. Mm-hmm. The, 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 he warns us about the use of the tongue, the power of the tongue to destroy. Uh, it's called, he compares it to a, a uh, fire a forest fire, and we understand that now from our experience in uh, uh, California and Oregon and the forests there being destroyed by fire. Mm-hmm. He says that the destructive power of the tongue is to be compared to a, the way a fire destroys our forest. Uh, he says that the two things that control two things that control a ship on the ocean and a horse are used to illustrate the power of the tongue. One is the ship's rudder, and the other is the bridle. Both of those are. Uses we should we should bridle our tongue. We should control our words and our tone and our expression. Boy, my wife tells me that all the time. I'm going to have to start listening to her now that I've read this. <laughs> um, you think she's listening? Maybe I, <laughs> I'll regret saying that. Um, yeah, let's say. That, uh, let's see that, what else. Yeah, this has that beautiful. Uh, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. Pure religion. Yes, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. As an orphan, I love that verse. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is pure religion undefiled. It's to take care of the widows and the orphans. Yeah, exactly. James is just highly, highly practical. And finally, I'll mention this uh, before we jump into Peter. Is that... um, Remember that there's world about make friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. And, and uh, the, the world means the godless world system and philosophy. And that is often uh, the New Testament version of the idea of Babylon. Later in the book of Revelation, the world is characterized with the very name Babylon is destroyed. And so we see that sort of a harmonious harmony of that of that truth in the book of James as well. Well, we'll have to catch Peter and. First and Second Peter and First, Second, Third John next week. 
You want to say anything as we end oh, up our yeah. program tonight? No, just thank you so much. Have a good night, everybody. See you the next Bible week. Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.